Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. This is episode number 74 of the Gate World Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate in 2010. David, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, 2010. I can finally use the word 20 instead of 2000. You're going to go with 2010? 2010. I don't know, over the last nine years I guess I've gotten used to the 2000. I think I'm going to say 2010. Well, you know what? I've been looking forward to this for 10 years, being able to see 20, because it sounds so much more futuristic than 2000, as far as I'm concerned. So for the Stargate episode, did you say 2010 or did you say 2000? I preferred to say 2010, but I, of course, have said both. Ah, well, maybe I'll get used to it. So we haven't talked for a long time. It's been. Was it been a month and a half? Two? I mean, no, it has been two. No, we record podcasts weekly, like clockwork, throughout the year, and then we hit our holiday break, and we're planning to take two weeks off, and then we came back, and I had an internet crisis, so we couldn't record, and then I got sick, so we couldn't record. So we've had four weeks off, and I haven't talked to you for over a month. I know it's been very, very strange. You know, in all masculinity, I've missed the hell out of you. <laughs> so um, this is—it's good to be back. The podcast has really yeah, become a, a grounding rod for me every week, and uh, it is presented as a sense of stability tour. rather than adding adding an additional chore. That's right. So I mean, I've got laundry around the corner from me right now. Some laying on the floor, some in the basket, and that's got to get taken care of today. But while that thing is, uh, while that thing is spinning, this thing is going to be editing. Well, what can you tell our listeners about where you are and what you are doing now? You moved over the holiday break to the OC. To the OC, you were going to go back to St. Louis. I had planned that. I had gotten a place and everything, and then. Uh, Alec Peters from PropWorks got in touch with me and actually got in touch with us and was looking for a person to uh, help out with a new website called StargateArtifacts.com, and that's what I'm doing right now. And until Sweet. the press release goes out, I'm not going to say anything more. But check out that website, check out the blogs that are up, and check out what we're going to be doing. Check it out. there's going to be an announcement made fairly soon. I see David Reed. Right there on that website. And I'm sure Gateworld will do a new story about that soon. It's really, really exciting. I can't wait to spill it. It's super cool, and you just can't get away from Stargate in your professional life. You know, I can't. There's always something that seems to be going on that that, uh, that seems to be right up my alley for all this useless knowledge that's burned into my <laughs> brains. I mean, I've been staring at it's something useful. for several it's days. It's itself useful. It is useful now. You Everything know? that you know about the Ashen Confederation. That's exactly right. <laughs> And I was staring at this this weapon for days, and I'm like, what does it go to? And then I pulled up um, the other side, and, and there they are. You know, they're Eurondon. So, and, and there are just a, a few things that I cannot figure out whatsoever. So, um, if you do know, go to nice. the forum, and I have a These Stargate Props Need IDing page. All right. So, you need fan help to identify. I need help. Nice. I like it. Absolutely. Well, our main topic on the podcast this week is SGU so far. This is our our first talk now that the, the first 10 episodes of the show have finished airing. Um, we didn't talk about it in our last podcast because we were doing just the general wrap-up of 2009. I guess we talked about it a little, but uh, I've been really looking forward to this show because 
as much as we talked about SGU over the spring and the summer, and as mm-hmm. much as we talked about episodes by episodes while it was airing, this is our first chance to take a breath and say, Big okay, picture. we've seen half the season so far. What do we think? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. There's been so much that has happened. A ton of new characters have been, and have been introduced, so much story development, so much character development, so many terrific visual effects. You know, it, it's just, it's, and it's so different from, from the other two. Some people are certainly not liking it. But you can't get away from the comparison to, to SGA and SG1. We can't, you know, and that's, and that's just the way it's going to be, alas, for, for a while, I imagine, you know, and that's, that's what Battlestar Galactica had to suffer through when it came out, you know, even though it's not like a carbon copy of, of SG1 or SGA, you know, it is the next in a long chain of, of uh, distinct television shows. Yeah. We also have some nice voicemails from our listeners on this to put in here. But that's kind of a good point that that uh, fans are naturally comparing this show to Atlantis and SG-1. I mean, we've been watching this this franchise, some of us, since 1997, if you exclude the, the original film. There's the fact that Atlantis was taken off the air. That's, that's part of this conversation. But I think there's two conversations for us to have here about SGU so far. One of it is how does it live up to the franchise? How does it carry mm. on what Stargate is? The other conversation is just as a show by itself, judged on its own merits, how's it doing? And mm-hmm. I feel in general like I'm really enjoying the show so far. It's not it's not my favorite show on air right now. Uh, it's got some work to do to, to, to really make me love it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's halfway through its first season and judged on its own merits as a as a show that's a different kind of show than than the the two predecessors. I mean, how many shows can you think of that were awesome the first half of their first season? There are not many. I would put Lost and and Firefly there probably, and that's about it. You but you look at like unless you're looking at reality television, you put that aside, or you put American Idol aside. Um, and and you look at the the dramas that are on today, the 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 new shows that are out. I mean, they are generally far more sophisticated than they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really try hard to present something that is is um, extraordinary and and that sucks you in. And SGU is no exception. I feel. Uh, as a viewer, uh, I'm enjoying the show for what it is. I'm not looking at it and expecting it to be something else. And I think that's one of the benefits that I have as a viewer. You know, I, I, I don't watch a program expecting anything. I watch it and see what it does, and then I ask myself, did I like that? Uh, rather than expecting it to be something that it may not be, and then, you know, generally being disappointed because of that. Uh, I just don't do that. And you know, I think I think it makes me a happier viewer. I mean, to be fair, those who who have criticized the show as as not living up to its predecessors, I think are are right to observe the fact that the producers and the studio and the network are trying to to walk a fine line. They're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to say this is new and different, and if you've never watched Stargate before, now's the time. And they're also trying to say this is the heart of Stargate, and if you're a longtime fan, this is. Has got something for you too. So mm. they are trying to do both, and and I guess it's up to each individual viewer to decide how successful they're they're doing both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Every fan's going to have their opinion, and I'm not going to say that one is right or wrong. Uh, all I know is mine. Yeah, and I appreciate people who were were nervous about the show 
uh, when when we hadn't seen it and who did decide to tune in and watch the pilot to judge for themselves. Those who decided mm. to watch the entire first half of the season to judge for themselves. Those who are still planning to finish out season one. Uh, I, I have all the respect in the world for that. If you like something and, I mean, if you watch something and don't like it, then that's that's just, it's not your cup of tea, so you don't need to keep watching if you don't want to. I have no problem right. with that. Hi, guys. This is Aaron in Missouri. I think that SD's greatest strength is its amazing characters and the top-notch actors who play them. When I'm watching, I'm there, totally immersed in the story. For example, in Justice, you know, a short exchange with Young at the end of the episode, and then the next scene showing Rush staring up at the sky in despair. I didn't think, wow, what great acting, until after the show was done. Carlisle is literally Rush in my mind. David is Eli, etc. My thoughts were, poor Eli, I think he just had a layer of innocence stripped away, and... I can't believe Young did that to Rush. How's he going to get back to the destiny? Talented actors playing characters that change dynamically is a powerful mix, and I hope that SVU stays on this track. On the other side of the coin, though, lies the greatest weakness. Episodes seem to switch back and forth between plot-driven and character-driven episodes. So this leads to some people saying, oh, SVU is just a soap opera, and it leaves fans like me thinking, we've been away from the ship for a while. What's up on that side of the universe? I'd like to see, in the future, characters evolving with the plot without so much choppiness. It seems a little stretched out at times. Maybe new or less usage of the communication stones would help. So there's a few things I want to talk about in this show. The first one is the, the slow pace of the storytelling. And obviously we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that, that we've observed along the way as we've done podcasts on episode by episode. But um, compared to, to SG-1 and Atlantis... This show is a slow burn. I mean, they're doing a, a long-term story arc, and they're not they're not doing concise forty-four minute plots. There has not been a tremendous amount of of human action. I mean, the ship has certainly gone through its paces in a number of different uh, formats. You know, it's it's been a huge character on the show in many ways, as much as as many of the of the principal characters. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really exciting. That's something that I always wanted for Atlantis. I wanted Atlantis to be a character and to be alive rather than to be a base. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't really have gotten that out of Stargate Command, but you know you could have out of Atlantis because it was an unknown thing. You know, it was mysterious. It was Atlantis, and they're doing that with Destiny. Um, you know, yeah. They're taking their time exploring it and exploring the characters and exploring themselves. I really want to see more of that with Destiny. Rush has this perspective on the ship that it is it's sort of conscious, that it's it's deliberately taking them to these planets to give them opportunities to get what they need. Uh, that's I think that's really interesting, and I'd like to see it go even farther, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe talking explicitly about the Destiny in terms of of you know the computer system maybe is, is basically an AI. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, by and large, outside of the character drama, there is not a whole lot going on in these shows. And for someone used to a faster-paced action show, running and gunning, that is not what this is. You know? And I can certainly appreciate that this is not for every audience member who uh, uh, preferred that before. And i got to tell you, I love the fact... And I think I've said this before, maybe not. I love the fact that every show in the Stargate franchise basically stands on its own as the type of, in a certain niche of, of entertainment. You know, mm-hmm. I always I always interpret that you want as an adventure show. You and I have interpreted Atlantis as an action show. 
And, you know, uh, Universe really is a drama, a hardcore drama. Now all we need is a comedy. <laughs> yeah. We should have a comedy. We should pitch some concepts. For a Stargate comedy? Yeah. I think yeah. Joe Malazzi already has pitched the Talking Dog Stargate show. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, the pace feels, honestly, to me right now, it feels too slow. But then you've got to recognize the fact that the first part of the first season is... I think I think last time we talked about this, the analogy I used was was setting up the chess pieces on the board. So yeah. all the chess pieces are set up, and in episodes like Time and Justice, I think they're finally moving forward. I mean, Spencer is one of those chess pieces, and his his story moves forward and becomes a, a plot element in Justice when he kills himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the second half of the season, and, and I hope that that the pace picks up significantly. I hope mm-hmm. that, that my analogy is right and the pieces are all out now and we've, we've gotten to know the characters enough that we can, we can see them go in, and do things and, and have adventures. What characters would you say stand out to you right now? Uh, Eli and Rush. I mean, I think you, if you look at the poll on yeah, the website we did right polls. now, that really says it. That was interesting. We are currently running a poll on GateWorld asking, who is your favorite character so far? Uh, all nine. Uh, the main the main eight, I guess, Should on the ship. Should put Jesse in there in hindsight. Telford. Yeah, well, that would have been a good idea. Uh, favorite character, Eli's leading so far with 35% of the vote. Uh, Rush is close behind with 31. And then the next highest is 10% for Colonel Young. Young huge, huge drop-off there. I mean, poor Camille has 37 votes, and Telford has 50, 50 yeah, votes. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's by design, or if the producers are doing their job because they're making him so dislikable, Telford, or yeah. if you know people aren't just not liking LD's portrayal. So, um, it's, uh, it, well, it's a, a cool poll. It's a cool poll. He's a supporting character, and he's sort of he's for the most part been been painted he's as a bad ass. guy. He's an antagonist on the show, so doesn't yeah. doesn't surprise me that most people uh, don't don't vote him top of the nine. But yeah. Camille, but you know, you... Camille was written originally in the pilot to be a supporting character, and uh, it was only after this fantastic actress Ming Na was cast that they started writing more for her, and it, it, we didn't really see her, her much until Life, I guess, mm-hmm. episode nine. Uh, mm-hmm. She had some cool stuff in Light, I think, when, when she won the, the drawing, the lottery, yeah. to go on the on the escape pod. I liked that stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah. Camille is definitely one of my favorites. I'd really like to see people be able to stack their favorites from, uh, from one to nine. Um, maybe we'll be able to do that at some point in the future, but certainly aren't able to do that now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I, when I was faced with this poll, I immediately selected Eli. I mean, he's likable. A lot of people that I talk to, they say that uh, I remind them of Eli. You know, <laughs> even even my buddy Joe says you even sound like it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling it a keynote. Yeah, you definitely remind me of Eli. I think I've said all the way along that Colonel Young is my favorite character so far. Uh, I find him really interesting in the position that he's in on the ship. He's a leader, but he does he doesn't really want to be. Uh, he he turned down the the leadership of the team that was going to come to the destiny, and uh, you know I mean he spends half his time with a communication stone back at home trying to 
mend his relationship with his wife. Um, I think that the stuff that that he's gone through with O'Neill is particularly interesting this season, where he's basically, you know, he's refusing direct orders and he's saying, you know, I'm gonna going to take your suggestion, General, back to my people and and talk to them about it, rather than an order, rather than than or tell them this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so I like Young. I like the the intensity that Louis Ferreira brings to that performance. Um, I guess for me, it would be Young and Scott. Lieutenant Scott is standout for me, largely because of episodes like Air Part 3. And I want to see more of Scott, because I I don't know. I think there's something there that we haven't seen yet. So character development versus action-adventure. Um, I think that the show needs more of the latter. I think it's going to get it. I mean, what, what, what little we know about what's coming in the second half of the season... Uh, you know, there's there's going to be aliens and there's going to be space battles. The stuff that we love about Stargate and sci-fi is going to show up. Yeah, I agree. There seems to be action-centered episodes every few episodes, which seems to be a pretty decent pace. Um, I think uh, I, I would like to see an, an uptick in more of that and the special effects uh, in terms of action. And I think that's what you're going to get next, uh, if I may say. Uh, even though I haven't seen the episodes, um, I think that's what you're going to get. So it's going to be exciting. Hey, Dave and Darren. Uh, this is Strauds from uh, Iowa. It's my first call in, uh, actually, because it's only been in the absence of Stargate material that I really started getting into your podcast. No offense intended. I've been listening to everything you've posted, though, and really enjoyed your guys' banter. Uh, as for the question of what is SGU's strengths and weaknesses, uh, I kind of think it's one and the same. Uh, they're certainly delivering on their promise of character development, and I like that. I mean, I agree that it's a sad thing that was always what hit the cutting room floor in SG-1 and Atlantis, but I'm kind of afraid that if that is their only focus, they're going to be a one-trick pony pretty quick. I get what uh, the writing team and XPs are trying to do to make us know and care about the characters, what happens to them. Um, It's a sci-fi show. There needs to be more sci-fi element in it. The biggest thing I think they could do to fix this is they need a nemesis. In fiction, your hero is measured by how they compare against their villain. Right now, SGU to me is simply a man versus nature survival show, so to speak. If they want to endure to a fifth season, most shows want to for syndication, I really think they need to sprout some more legs to walk that distance on. The Rush and Young dynamic carries some episodes, but I don't see it carrying 100 to 200. So I think they really need to plant more seeds like SG-1 did in its early years to sprout more stories. What do you think about this idea that SGU needs a nemesis? SG-1 had the Gould and Atlantis had the Wraith. Are we missing a bad guy? No. No. Our nemesis is ourselves uh, in this show, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I think, I think that we need to have alien foes, but I do not think that they need to be front and center. They, I don't think that they need to be... I, I do think that we need to rally together against them, but I think our greatest foe on this show, and I think it's one of the show's strengths, is ourselves. Because when you don't have a Gould or a Wraith or a whatever out there to fight, you recognize that human human beings 
our ten I mean just this is not like my my belief, but you look at our history, our tendency is to war with one another. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're seeing that on the show. And when forces are not working outside of the ship inside to, to damage it, dirt it, when we're not battling a sandstorm or anything else, we battle ourselves. And that, in my opinion, is the most interesting for all. Yeah, I really like the idea that, uh, the, that the chief antagonist of the show is ourselves. When you look at episodes like Justice, that really at the end of the episode becomes about Young versus Rush, Rush has been sort of, sort of flying under the radar. You look at, at how sort of deferring he is to Young when they're on Icarus Base in Air Part 1. And you know that he just wants to bust out and and give Colonel Young what for. Um, by the time we get to justice, he's framed him for murder because he wants him out. And uh, that sort of conflict, I think, is really interesting. Uh, I like that a whole lot more than what a lot of episodes have been, which is us versus survival. When it's survival mm-hmm. of the week, where are we going to get our fill-in-the-blank? Uh, I think those stories have been have been done. And I'm not wild about seeing much of any more of them. Really? Really? You think that there isn't room for more needing needs needing to survive? I think there potentially is, but a lot of what the the season has been about so far is where are we going to get our air? Where are we going to get our power? Where are we going to get our water? And I, I like the idea that, that they went with that, that the setting up the show was these basic survival needs. But I, it feels played out to me. Yeah. It has definitely um, been a big portion of that show, you know. And, and when, once we are taken care of, once we are uh, managing to survive, then, then, you know, the enemy will turn back in on ourselves and, you know... Yeah, we'll I mean, keep... Rush can only do this, the sorts of things that he did injustice because he has water to drink and air to breathe. Exactly. He can, he can move <laughs> on to his other concerns about, you know, controlling the destiny or accessing it or whatever's concerning him. So mm. one of the other big points of discussion and conflict on Stargate Universe so far is SEX. Are we allowed to say that on the show? Which spells sex. Sex on SGU. We talked about it uh, at length last month. But uh, overall, is this a part of the show that is uh, good, bad, too much, too little? To be perfectly honest with you, I'm annoyed by it. But, um, you know, that's, that's me personally. Uh, I know a lot of people who, are, they're okay with it. You know, most, like, like the polls said when we, when we ran this, most people, excuse me, most people are perfectly okay with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost to the point of fast-forwarding through it. Because it's not what I want to watch at that moment, and uh, you know I'm I'm in it for the for the drama and for the action. I'm not in, in it for the banging, per se. Mm-hmm. So, and, but that's that's me. That's just me. Yeah, it uh, it can service a story well and absolutely and, and offer character development well. And again, with with uh, the Lieutenant Scott situation, we've talked about him possibly being a sex addict, and and he's. He's uh, done it with a couple of different girls so far, and and one of my lingering questions is, is he settling down now and having a nice stable girlfriend? Um, that sort of thing is is interesting character development. Uh, that's one of the things that interests me about Scott's character. 
Um, doesn't mean I want to want to watch long, extended sex scenes with with Scott or anyone, but uh, it it can be used well on on dramatic television, and it can be it can be overdone. And I don't want to see you know name your Showtime show or Teeny Bopper r- relationship show. Uh, it's, it's not what I'm interested in. I, I'm interested in it as it services a story. So the last thing on my list is body trading, and uh, I'm bringing this up. Obviously, it's a huge part of the show, uh, at least so far. We're making an awful lot of trips back to Earth, so there is a contrast with Atlantis. In the first season, Atlantis, uh, the team was completely cut off from Earth. We had a data burst yeah. one way at the end of the show, end of the season. Um, now we can basically, anytime anybody feels like it, they can go grab a stone and say hi to mom and and visit the wife and have have a conjugal visit and check in with the boss at Homeworld Command. I'm not sure that that uh, I like the amount. I like the the sci-fi concept of it and the sort of of storytelling possibilities that it brings up, uh, which I know yeah. we're getting more of in the second half. But it's I, I guess it's life. Uh, episode nine after episode nine, it felt it felt like it was one step too far that that we just done too much body swapping for 10 episodes. There is definitely a fine line that's being walked about you know, how much time are we spending back at Earth? How much time are we spending aboard the Destiny? And I've been pretty pleased with it so far. You spend all the time aboard the Destiny, um, it's going to become a very wet, cold blanket. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to be, it's claustrophobic. It, if you never get outside of those sets and you know, obviously, we need to go on missions to help expand that. Um, but most of the missions actually have been back to Earth. Um, I'm liking them. I, I haven't seen uh, too much for me to say, you know, this is too much. I haven't really gotten to that point yet. I may, but mm. not not yet. I enjoyed life. I enjoyed um, a different kind of Stargate for once, you know, one that wasn't pretending to be a CSI episode. Uh, I I enjoyed it very, very much because when those characters get into trouble, I'm going to be rooting for them all the more because I know who they're trying to get through back home. And I know the the satellite characters that are going to be affected by their loss if they get hurt or killed. So, you know, I I appreciate what they're they're doing right now. I I, uh, have very little to complain about in that department. Yeah, I like that we have gotten to know those characters, that, that we know what some of these guys are fighting for. We know that Young mm-hmm. is fighting to get back to his wife, not because their relationship was peachy keen, but because he wants to work at it. He wants to fight for her uh, and for their marriage. I love the, the the fact that we got to know Sharon in life and know what Camila's fighting for and what's motivating her to mm-hmm. try and, and motivate these people. You hear it said, what's my motivation? These are their motivation. Um... Scott's kid is his motivation now. You know, he has he has more motivation than ever. He has more concerns than ever, and that's that's what that's what makes a good show. That's drama. Yeah. You know, they, they can't they, the characters can't be exuberant and happy all the time. That's boring. It's lame, and those shows don't last. We talked about body trading when we were doing our sex podcast, and I brought this up. Uh, just the the question about using somebody else's body, for example, for sex. Or, for example, to commit a crime, like like Young takes over some hapless private and goes out and assaults Telford at the end of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, these sorts of things raise interesting ethical questions. 
uh, and in I mean that that's that's science fiction. Uh, but some of those, it seems like so far, they're sort of being brushed aside. Or they're just going to take their own sweet time to get to them. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I, I would have much more been interested in a, in a body, tra- body trading ethics episode rather than justice, um, where, where that was more the forefront. Mm-hmm. But hopefully all in its good time. I, I hope they're not just saying that, you know, this is just the way it is and deal with it. Yeah, I hope that we're getting to it. I hope that it comes. I hope that somebody like General O'Neill basically sees what's going on and puts his foot down and says, okay, this needs to be moderated more. You know, we need to get these people you're visiting to sign some non-disclosures, etc., etc. Um, I referenced a statement by, by Ming-Na about this in her, in her podcast on the topic, and I went and found it uh, in her interview with AfterEllen.com. She said that the body trading controversy, which came out around sabotage, um, spoilers for the upcoming episode, uh, was largely a misunderstanding of what's happening in that episode. Uh, And her statement is, in the previous episode, which I think she's referring to Earth, Colonel Telford and Colonel Young exchange bodies. And there is an understanding, an underlying understanding, that once you do that, you forfeit your right to your body at that point. And for me, she says, I feel that if it's true for all other characters, then it would sort of be prejudicial not to do that with the gay character. So Mingna suggests that it's on the show, it's sort of, of assumed that when you trade bodies with somebody, that you're basically giving them permission to do whatever they want, and they're giving you permission. And uh, the, the, the moral issues are not necessarily in play for the writers of the show, mm-hmm. which concerns me. What may be extremely important to you may not be them. Yeah. And there are not there are not universal opinions on on certain things of, of uh, uh, the 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 weights of importance. You know, there are only twenty episodes in a given season, and what you think they need to cover it may not necessarily be what someone else needs to cover. That's why I say, you know, I don't. One of the reasons that's one of the reasons why I don't try to expect any thing out of a show, you know, like if they don't cover this, if they don't address this, I'm going to be really upset. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, that does happen, but you can't live and die by it. Yeah. It's just one of the things that's that's sort of come up on my radar. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll definitely be watching episodes like Sabotage in the back half with with that in mind, sort of how are they, uh, you know, are they giving this attention or is it just sort of, of uh, assumed as a given that, that when yep. you trade bodies, you can you can do whatever you want and and all bets are off. That's right. So overall, first ten episodes of Stargate Universe, the, when we first thought about doing this SGU So Far podcast was way back before the show started, and the driving question was, okay, after we have seen those ten episodes, why should should fans, and you and me in particular, and why should just casual viewers keep watching? Because I care about the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have definitely watched shows in the past where I did not care about the characters and I lost interest. I just didn't care anymore. No matter who came into the forefront or, or who injured them or or whatever happened, I didn't care. And if you don't care, it's not it it doesn't matter. So that's uh that that's one of the things that that's definitely the big thing about uh, about the show uh, that I uh, that I want to keep going back is that I want to know what happens next to them. That's, yeah. And that's that's my big reason. Yeah, it's a character drama, so if you've watched these ten episodes and all you've seen is 
is what is missing, the aliens and the space battles and the camaraderie of, of John Shepard's team or, or Jack O'Neill's team or Cameron Mitchell's team. I understand why you're disappointed with the show, but if you've watched it and as a character drama and these characters have grabbed you, then I think you're going to want to keep watching. Uh, yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's the brilliance, I think, of the Lost formula, is when they kicked it off from, from episode one, they were doing you know, backstory episodes for the characters. This is who John Locke is. This is mm-hmm. this is where he was before he got to this point. Um, this is this is Jin and Son. And the more you can let the, the viewing audience in on who these characters are in their in their heart, in their core, not just what they're doing externally, uh, the more they're gonna hopefully love them. And that's sort of yeah. an outstanding question for fans is how much do we like these characters? Are all the characters really sort of unlikable? I guess with the exception of maybe Eli, um, the guys and uh, men and women who are doing bad things, basically, mm-hmm. have they written all these characters to be unlikable. Hi, Darren and David. Shirt and tie here once more from Ireland. With regard to Stargate Universe, I have the following thoughts. SGU was rumored as the next big thing. The buzz at Comic-Con had it in the top five. We were told it was edgier and darker than previous Stargate shows. Character conflict would feature heavily in this new incarnation. I thoroughly enjoyed the premiere, albeit over three episodes. The non-linear storytelling was not only a break from traditional Stargate storytelling, but also it led an era of immediacy to the developing storyline. By the end of episode four, not only did I know about the character's backstory, I was also invested in their future. Sure, there wasn't the same old run and gun of old, but rather a more considered character-led drama. I knew more about the characters of SGU after five episodes than I did from SGA or SG1 after two seasons. This is not to say that SGU was better, but rather different. As usual, we have the same classic storytelling in SGU, with amazing visual effects courtesy of Mark Savila and company, with some great interaction from secondary characters which led us down interesting paths as the new crew of the Destiny find their way. I was initially put out by the use of contemporary music in the new show, having been spoiled by Joel Goldsmith's scores over the previous two Stargate programs. But as the series has progressed, the music has nestled in neatly. The sets, decor, costumes, lighting, photography and the direction have all been of that same high standard we've come to expect from the Stargate franchise. Again, the Stargate people have struck gold in the acting talent we see in SGU. It's evident that the ensemble nature of the show has permeated into the acting talents of all involved. The only complaint I have is that the break we must endure for the second half of season one. I presume this is a network decision. As a diehard Stargate fan, I'll hang in there, but perhaps new viewers may lose interest. I look forward to the end of season one, and I'm thrilled that season two is shortly to start production. Happy New Year to all podcast listeners from Shirt and Tie here in Ireland. Shirt and Tie mentioned this long break between the two halves of the season as as one of the big downsides. And we've had long breaks in, in the middle of Stargate runs before, but we've never had a show that was arc-driven, that was that was one episode to the next. Um, you know, especially with that cliffhanger, it's it's kind of tough to think about waiting until April 2nd. I think this is where sci-fi gets it really wrong. Yeah. Where if you have a character drama where people enjoy tuning in every week, you can't have six months or whatever it is of a break because you will lose people like mad. And then you expect them to find you when you come back on, you know, have, have two or three new episodes and then two or three new, uh, two or three weeks off. Yeah. Promotions wise, you've, you've got to work five times harder just to get the same people to come back. Yeah. When when the the cycle comes around to promoting the next new episode again, yeah, 
think ABC right. really figured something out when they decided to stop airing pieces of Lost in the fall and just do them all straight through. Mm-hmm. And they would they, they do not, that now, don't they? Yeah, they've done it for several years. And, uh, you know, other shows like... Uh, Sci-Fi's doing it with Sanctuary, which is 13 episodes. Uh, that show just finished for season two. And, uh, you know, Doctor Who does it in the UK. They run them all straight through. And then you don't see it for eight months. You looking forward to the show coming back in a few months? I am looking forward to the show. I I am... Uh, it's it's hard to know how to gauge your expect how to set your expectations. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. I was hugely anticipating the premiere of the show, but going into the the back half of a season after a cliffhanger is is a different element than getting ready for a new pilot. It's a different kind of animal. So I am cautiously optimistic that the show is going to find its footing in the back half of season one. Uh, just like I think SG-1 did and like Atlantis did, I didn't love SG-1 until we got to episodes like uh, Tin Man and Solitudes and There But For The Grace Of God. I didn't love Atlantis until we got to episodes like Before I Sleep. I agree. I think it's going to get there. Listener Mail. Hey guys, this is Jeff from St. Louis, Missouri here. I just wanted to share some thoughts about the episode Justice, uh, specifically the ancient chair and the way Franklin had those screws dig into his skull. After listening to the discussion, the thinking seems to be that if an ancient were there, they would just sit in the chair and then we would see how the thing works. But we've seen ancients before in other episodes and they don't have little holes in the side of their head for the screws to go into. So I'm thinking there has to be some sort of device you wear on your head and the screws go into the device. To me, this has to be the way the chair works. I just can't imagine any ancient willingly sitting in that thing, letting their head get drilled into. Now, what would really be funny to me is if, after all the diagnostics on the chair that went nowhere and the way Franklin gets his head drilled into, what if this device is just sitting in a cabinet or a drawer right there in the chair room? Maybe Eli could find it the same way he just somehow found that gun inside the vent. Hey, it's uh, Joel Donahue calling from Honolulu, Hawaii again. My favorite Stargate event of the year definitely had to would have to have been the, the pilot when they're dialing out to the destiny. Thanks, guys, for those calls. We'll definitely be talking more about these topics like that ancient chair when the show comes back on April 2nd. In the meantime, we have a whole whack of topics lined up for the podcast for January, February, March, and we're coming up finally, finally, we get to go back and finish our Stargate History series. We're going to be hitting up the first four seasons of Atlantis, and that means we've talked about every season of all the shows. So mm-hmm. January 27th, next week, is Atlantis Season 1. I'm stoked. I'm looking forward to that one. You know, we've been promising a uh, uh, focus on Atlantis Seasons 1 through 4 because we haven't covered them specifically in the podcast. Of course, we covered Season 5 in our first 20-some-odd episodes. And uh, now we're going to go back and wrap that up. Stargate History will be coming to a close fairly soon. So this week's listener question, what is your favorite episode from Stargate Atlantis' first season and why do you love it? You can call into the podcast hotline. That number is area code 951-262-1647. 
or if you live outside the U.S. or don't want to call the voicemail line, you can record a short message on your computer and email it to webmaster at gateworld.net as an MP3 or a WAV file. And what do we have coming up? Obviously on the 27th, Atlanta Season 1, on February the 3rd, we'll be bringing you another round of Open Line Nights, and hopefully we'll be having a special guest to join us for that. We should. We've got somebody lined up, and we were going to schedule a couple Open Line Nights, but because we lost two weeks in January, one of them got bumped off the schedule, so this will be our only Open Line Night of the, the winter break. Well, at least we've got the one. And then on February 10th, this is a topic that I suggested, misdirected emotion. Mm. Misdirected emotion with a question mark? And what emotion. I mean by that, emotion? It should, be, it should be pronounced misdirected emotion? Emotion. And what I mean by that is a lot of us tend to revere and worship the actors for, um, for making us fall in love with the, with the show. I know, I do. And I would like to suggest that we should also be equally uh, revering the writers as well for putting the words in those characters' mouths. Yeah, the writers often get some smack talked about them on the boards. Whereas people turn out in droves to see the cast at, at conventions, as they should. They're, they're highly entertaining and, and lovable people. But if, unless you're just looking at a show and enjoying the characters for their looks and for their physical behavior, we really have got to give a tip of the hat every now and then to the writers for bringing those characters to life. They put the words in those characters' mouths. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm putting that down for. Misdirected emotion? Maybe we need to really step back and think about that a little. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, and, and I don't expect that the conversation is going to just be, hey guys, the writers are awesome. The topic is about how I think we we tend to err in failing to give credit where credit is due. Well, that's our show for this week, the first show of two th- 2010. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in this week to El Gate World Podcast. Uh, once again, the hotline number is 951-262-1647. And we'd love it if you wanted to head over to the podcast feedback thread at Gate World Forum and tell us what you think of the show. The show notes each week also provide you a forum to air your comments as well. You can do that. So when this podcast is published, go to the news feed on gateworld.net and there will be a show notes section for Podcast 74. 74, man, man. Nice. Well, we hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and that you're enjoying SGU as much as we are. And hopefully this podcast can help us all make it through the long break together. I look forward to it. Not much uh, left. We'll, uh, we'll be able to get through it. There's plenty of discussions to be had. Lots to talk about, yeah. From Gateworld, this is Darren. This is David. And we'll see you back here next week on the Gateworld Podcast.